Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blog Runners podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by Emil Avanesi. And Emil, how are we doing today? Good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, we're just going to uh, set aside the Europa League match for now uh, <laughs> because I wanted to talk to you about um, the... Uh, I'm really just on like a positive streak, you know, before yeah. yesterday. And, and even yesterday wasn't that bad. But uh, before that, there were three matches in a row where Barcelona scored four goals. They were looking great. There was positivity, yeah. uh, a lot of the kind of hopefulness that we had had for next year. We were seeing glimpses of it this year, even without Xavi having kind of a full deck of cards to play with when it came to, you know, players at his disposal and time with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, setting aside the Europa League match, kind of what were you seeing from Barcelona in those three glorious matches where they scored four goals? Uh, other than the ball was actually, you know, getting in the back of the net for a change. But like, what did you notice different about the team in terms of their positivity? I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, some of it is actually personnel. Like, um, Adam Traore has looked fantastic since since he's arrived. Um, and I know it's going to sound weird to say, but it's sort of um, in, in his way, like Ferran Torres has been good in, you know, sort of in buildup. And, you know, it's just, he he's missed so many chances. <laughs> That's kind of what's what sticks with you at this point. But um, and then, you know, basically between the two of them, uh, when he's been in there, like Danny Alves, I think is, I mean, I, I should say off the top, like Danny Alves, there's almost no limit to the amount of praise and love that I can heap on Danny Alves. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep it, you know, concise here, but I think, but Danny Alves is just, I mean, the guy is a legitimate all-time great. I mean, arguably, you know, one of the three or four best to ever play his position. And he so wholeheartedly wants to be here. I mean, he's, you know, he's playing for, I mean, effectively what what was probably just like a game check or two for him, you know, not very long ago. And so I think there's a little bit of that. I think there's just so much, one, there's so much positivity, I think from him, from, you know, clearly Adama's happy, to be back, um, you know, um, even Dembele has gotten, you know, I don't even know, like, I don't know if he's in good graces or whatever, but the, all the talk of he's never going to play for the club again was obviously 
not accurate. And, you know, when he's been there, he's been up and down, but I do think he's, he's been quite good, you know, especially when he's good, he's been really, really good. Um, so I think a lot of it is the personnel and it's the kind of personnel that makes the game fun. Um, you know, because, you know, you obviously need stability and just guys that keep things ticking over and don't make, you know, just crippling mistakes. But there's there's the other type that, you know, sort of the, the Adama Traore, who the, the one move that he does all the time that I have to get used to not being terrifying is when he does the just kick the ball past the defender and try to outrun them. Because usually when you see that, it's two guys of comparable speed and you know the the attacker who tries to do it is usually a step or two behind the the defender when he starts and inevitably it just ends in you know it goes over the end line and it's a goal kick but when he does it I mean it's almost like the whoever it is that's trying to keep up with him is just nailed to the ground and he just like just like ghosts past them it's amazing um so I think it's a little bit of that I think there's more fun and I think the upswing has come from players who are the more attack minded and the more vital to goals. Yeah. And so I want to talk about Aubameyang a little bit because Mm. he's interesting to me because Mm. I don't want to over overstate like, Oh, Barcelona finally have a traditional Mm. number nine. That's actually athletic Mm. and can move around and, um, because I think that undersells a little bit of um, I'm not saying like Braithwaite could have been a Bomiang, but I'm saying I, I, no. But he's not. I mean, he's he's of the same sort of profile of player. He's a I, he's a yeah. lesser oh, but similarly, you know, like Bomiang walked into player. a situation where like Barcelona, and again, I'm not trying to undersell him because he's he's played very well and he's taken the opportunity he has. But I also think it's he's also like he's a product of the fact that like Frankie and um, uh, Ferran Torres and uh, uh, Triore are, are all playing more offensively minded, and Pedri, and they're able yeah. to be a little more free. That Aubameyang is definitely on the uh, more receiving end of it. That being said, I love him, and I yeah. it's fantastic watching him. And so, just kind of, what are your um, Aubameyang thoughts thus far? Well. You know, along the lines of what you said, I mean, I think that is what he is. Like in a strange way, I, yeah, I think he's awesome. I'm, I, he's, I think he's, yeah, he's done really well. He's come in, he's taking his, he's taking his chances. Um, in, I, th- I do think in a lot of ways he's not sort of the, what you would call like the quote traditional, Barca forward in that he's not very. Um, like he's not really part of the buildup. Like he, you know, he. He's not uh, he's not kind of an adept close control or short passer or anything like that. He is a like he's like a greyhound, you know. He's just he's super fast and super athletic. He finds alleys and you know lanes to to make his runs into, and he's fantastic at making them. Um, and I think on top of that too, what I what I really like is now granted, uh, you know. Dortmund weren't always, you know, sort of in the in the latter stages of the Champions League necessarily. And, you know, Arsenal was nowhere near, you know, kind of peak form when he was there. But this is a guy who's played for big clubs and like he knows what it is to play big games. 
So it's not, he's not a, a prospect or even in the case of like where I would differentiate between him and say, for example, whether it is Adama or even Ferran Torres, uh, obviously Ferran Torres played in big games with Manchester City. I mean, just like by, by definition, they're always competing and they're always in, you know, fairly big games. But I think when you're Ferran Torres on that Manchester City roster, and it's almost when you're almost anybody on the Manchester City roster, like you alone are not that vital because there's just like this disgusting collection of talent that will absolutely pick up for you if you, you know, pick up after you if you make a mess. Yeah, and the one player they have that used to be that in De Bruyne is almost mm-hmm. like, he's still Kevin De Bruyne, right? But yeah. When he's not on the team, it's like, you notice a little bit, but not as much as you did like two years right. ago. Yeah. And so they are, yeah. So they're just, and I mean, I think they are the example, the ultimate example of that. Um, you know, I mean, I guess you can maybe say Liverpool is like that, but, you know, but Man City is really the ones where um, the the whole really doesn't rest on any one guy's shoulders. So, you know, while everyone gets big game, big game experience. I don't think anyone ever, you know, really faces the pressure of being the guy in a, in a big game. You're just part of this like incredible hole. So I think, um, but Obama Yang has been, and it was predominantly, you know, particularly true at Dortmund where, you know, he and Dembele obviously were great together. And then even at Arsenal, like he was the guy, I mean, he is the spearhead of the attack. And I think it's good to have a guy who's, I don't know, just mentally and, you know, I don't know, psychologically or emotionally or whatever, just experienced and prepared to be that and sort of sees himself as the, as the headliner and is cool with that and knows, knows how to wear, wear that hat. Let's talk about the Galatasaray match so we can uh, <clears throat> talk about non-Barcelona things, i.e. this week in the Champions League, sure. like I really <laughs> want to talk about with you. Um so the Galatasaray match obviously didn't go as planned. Uh, you want to come up with a better result at home. Um, they didn't uh, concede any goals. Uh, there was a there were some reports this morning about Xavi's uh, uh, dissatisfaction with the team's effort. Uh, the reading between the lines that I saw was basically like they thought they could just kind of walk out and take care of this crap team that was you know, bottom of the table in the Turkish right. league. And, I thought they could. Uh, <laughs> I would have absolutely, I, if too. I was on the team, I would have absolutely mailed in last night. <laughs> and you, I, I, I don't know. And I, I guess part of, uh, part of the kind of conversation was like Chavi's, I guess squad rotation was the word, but I also like, he rotated out like PK and Busquets, like a Bamiang and Dembele aren't necessarily always yeah. starting. Uh, I, I didn't mind the team mm-hmm. we put out. They just kind of seemed lethargic. And like that edge that was there in the previous three matches was incredibly absent. And now they have to go to one of the oh, most hostile yeah. environments in the that's... world. And um, which, by the way, I Is am the, so excited to see to how they could. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And so, I mean, they did this. They, write the, they went into Napoli yeah. and yeah. they won. So they can do this again against a team that's worse. But yesterday was kind of, I mean, it should be a wake-up call for them. Like, they're not freaking Manchester City or, you know, or like other Bayern Barcelona, they you can't know, just, Barcelona like, stroll out. Years past. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think Xavi's frustration was probably due to that, where he's like, guys, you, you, you won three matches in a row against some teams that, um, you know, better than this. Come on, like Napoli was. <laughs> yeah, Napoli was. Napoli was the one match uh, in those three four goal wins that was impressive. The other two, like you probably should have won. So let's not get overconfident yeah. here. Um, what were your thoughts from their lethargic effort? I mean, yeah, I mean it was it was lethargic and. Yeah, I mean, so everything that I read, because, you know, when I hear of, like, Galatasaray, and so I just assume that, you know, because I don't follow the Turkish League, so, like, I just assume that Galatasaray is always, I feel like it's, like, Portugal, where, you know, Galatasaray and Fenerbahce and whatever, like, I feel like there's just that top three that always just reside in the top three, so when I read about it, I was like, oh, my God, I think they're 14th or something, and, you know, everything that I read was, man, their, their back line is absolutely garbage and you know just everything i read was oh man barcelona is just gonna have it's gonna be a it's gonna be like a carnival for barcelona like the barca attack so admittedly that was my that was my perspective going into it i mean they played like they actually legitimately did play a really good defensive game i will say that um it wasn't like it wasn't like this you know they weren't like keystone cops and getting like Barca were somehow making worse mistakes or anything. Uh, they played a really good defensive game. And I mean, Barca had chances, you know I mean? They put two or three, you know, just, just over the bar. There was the header from Busquets off the corner that uh, Iñaki Pena, you know, Barcelona, they just, you know, decided to get to. Um, and uh, oh, and then there was the other one, that whole, that weird melee in the box where, um, it ends up with Frankie and he, you know, just dings it off the post and it goes right back to the keeper. I mean, if it, like that one in particular, because all the other ones fine. I mean, it's a good save and you put it too high, whatever like that. But that one is, you know, two inches to the right. It hits the inside of the post and sort of squirts in and it's a different game. I, I don't think they played well. It wasn't it wasn't a particularly enthralling match or you know super inspiring performance or anything, but they did enough to win. They just kind of they did everything enough to get an unimpressive win, except actually like stuff one in the goal. And it does set us up for like having a draw hurts Barcelona in a lot of ways because now they can't field a weak team right. next week, like three days before the Clasico. I know. That's... And that's like the ultimate penalty of this because Barcelona do not want to go out of the Europa League competition yet. And you can't mail in a Clasico. And so it's no. like their, their stretch of games coming up is brutal because they have Galatasaray, the yeah. Clasico, and then I think right after Sevilla a week later. And so... Um, their matches coming up are pretty important, obviously. They sit third place with a match in hand. So they have a match in hand over Sevilla, and I think they're seven points behind Sevilla with a match in hand. Um, uh, and they're playing against a Real Madrid team the, that are... Yeah, I'm pulling up all the, the stuff now, but yeah. Yeah, it's like there's the consequences of not just like, you know, winning 3-0 yesterday or something like that are pretty significant. Um, because, and let me pull up their schedule. I There might yeah, only be so like three days between the match next week in the Classico. Yeah, so I'm looking at it now. Uh, yeah, so next week's match. Yeah, it's the 17th and then the 20th is... That's literally Madrid. 72 hours. I know. And the problem is, so you have to go from Istanbul 
to the Bernabeu. That's <laughs> like, brutal. I know you really, yeah, it would be, it'd be really preferable if one of those was at home, but uh, yeah, I mean, you really don't want to put yourself in this position. Um. Anyways, I want to talk about the I mean, Champions League with you for our last yeah. few minutes. Um. So one of the most memorable and interesting weeks in the Champions League just reminds us again why we love all of this stuff, why the Super League would have sucked. Um, yep. Let's talk about, we'll save the entree of Lionel Messi's PSG for, uh, for, for our last topic of conversation. I want okay. to talk about Liverpool and Inser. Um, yeah. Was it a red or was it a yellow card on Alexis Sanchez? Do you think? Oh, I mean, I think it's like, uh, can I, can I cop out and say it was like an orange card? <laughs> I, mean, I think like, um, what a buzzkill though. I know. I know. Oh. That sucks. Yeah, that that legitimately sucks. I mean, for the for the interest of the of the competition, I wanted it to be a yellow, but because well, it, it was a yellow. It was just his second. Oh, yellow yeah, was the yeah, problem. The, the right. second yellow. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, like, yeah. I wanted it to not be. I wanted him to like not be essentially sent off. Sure. But the the thing is, they yeah, because they played well. You know, I mean, it's. Um, even in the first, even in the first leg, they, you know, I know they lost two 0 but like it wasn't. They were good for the were, first like seventy five minutes. They were the better team. Yeah, and and Liverpool was not two goals better. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean it, it was a really yeah that was a really hard look. Hard look and it was just for, like for I mean it 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 hundred percent like it solidifies how good of a team. And it, I think that's what sucks about. That is the downside of the Champions League, right? Like we're seeing PSG and Inter Milan go out and they might be two of the best, you know, five teams in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just how it is. Like Inter went into Anfield, won one nil with 10 men for the last like 20 minutes. Right. And that's not, that's not something anyone does. Like you don't, you don't do that to Liverpool, hold them goalless when you have 10 men. Like it just really yeah, shows how, like... and I mean, we know how potent they are, right? Like they're competing for back-to-back -back Scudettos. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, like no, I mean they're a they're a legitimately good team. And the thing is, it's not like Liverpool because uh, it's not like Liverpool was in the Man City position where, you know, essentially just the whole objective was, you know, don't get anybody hurt, like just mm -hmm. get through ninety minutes and no one get hurt. Um, so I mean, it's not like holding Liverpool goal. It's not like Liverpool wasn't trying because one more, any kind of fluke goal from Inter and suddenly Liverpool has issues you know and like yeah you know you gotta like switch back on and get back to work and the thing that sucks for interfans right is like last year right when like the lukaku martinez like right when that team fully came into form was right after they didn't make the knockout stage of the champions league so like yeah. we never got to see them at their full potential in the knockout stage and then yep. this year you have that you know what happens this week and so um i mean it just means they're you know they're more focused on syria than ever and they're probably gonna um i would pick them as favorites to win that but yeah i mean, I mean you, I, you're not I feeling great so too yeah you're not feeling great about liverpool like that's just they had they looked like the crowd felt i don't know if you got this sense like the crowd felt weird the last like 25 minutes because i think they realized like we can't do anything against these guys like we're, well, we're hitting the crossbar and like we just can't we're not getting any luck like it's just this is it yeah i, I think and you see that sometimes and it was um it kind of was a hallmark of certain 
I'm going to drag the NBA into it for a minute, but like it's what uh, a meal dragging the NBA. Into it. <laughs> so it's, it's really kind of obviously with a far higher degree of success, but by the most of the first half of the season, or even the first third of the season, when I was watching the Lakers, it was, you know, it would be like lethargic performances, but they were at least like winning half of their games back then. But it was, everyone's body language essentially screamed. Like I was led to believe that this would be easier. <laughs> And so, you know, everyone felt like they'd been sold a bill of goods and, you know, like, you know, everyone, it's like everyone was acting like they were just there to be like sort of middle management and suddenly they had to roll up their sleeves and do some work. So I think like, but I think that was kind of the sense too, where, you know, because the, the whole thing, the, the European nights at Anfield is like a, I mean, it's essentially with good reason, but it's like a footballing cliche. And it's one of those, like those images that everyone talks about. And I think Liverpool are supposed to be unbeatable at Anfield on a European night. And so I think when that, when that doesn't happen, I think sometimes that, that energy and that momentum can get a little bit fragile and it gets a little bit nervy too. Um, so let's talk about the match of the season so far. Uh, <laughs> uh, PSG against Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, First half, the first 10 minutes, Real Madrid come out on fire. PSG kind of take it in. And then mm -hmm. PSG have, I think there were two offside killing Mbappe goals uh, before he finally, or before they finally. There was scored. one for, was one. there was one for certain. I, it, I can't remember if I'm there was to... a second, but um, yeah. either way, PSG go up 1-0. Yeah. Um, all the while, and like, we never talked about the first leg, but I mean like how PSG... I hate watching them so much. Like the only <laughs> player, it's basically Verratti, Hakimi, and Mbappe are the only players on PSG that I feel like are actually like being utilized well. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's not to blame Poch. Like I don't know what he's supposed to do, but they just look like it looks like all these Ferraris that are just going 15 miles an hour, and Mbappe well, is the only the one question. that ever. Like, it, what are you supposed to do? I don't um, know. Yeah, because like. We just assumed it was going to work. Like when you and I talked about this and like everyone yeah. did, everyone was just like, they're just going to get it right by March. This is going to look normal. And like, here we are in March and, and Leo Messi look looked like a statue. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, the, the one thing is, yeah, I banked on the whole Messi Neymar mind meld thing kind of. Just, you know, sort of Neymar knows the rest of the guys on that team and he knows Messi well. And I thought he would essentially serve as kind of a bridge to bring Messi into that fold while also, you know, sort of imparting on the other guys how you play with Messi. You know, I thought he'd be sort of a, you know, sort of a, a liaison there. But I mean, I think what we're seeing too is... Messi's doing sort of the best he can in what is the weird, because this is the first time since what, like the Obama administration that like the team hasn't been built entirely around Messi's like desires and hopes. I, I, I guess like, yeah, I don't really and, know. What and I don't think he's being petulant about it. I don't think, and I'm not saying like, I'm not actually putting it at his door, but it's like you, his muscle memory is, I think, an altogether different thing. You know what I mean? Just the, 
what it's meant to play club football, even, you know, even with the national team has meant an entirely different thing to Messi. And it's required an entirely different skill set for, you know, at least a dozen years. And so now he's on this team. It's not even the fact that they're loaded with talent, but I think it's that like the, the premier superstar on the team is a goal scorer who is sort of, you know, in his way, like he's the messy of this generation. And, and I, I mean, the, the, the one positive from PSG writer, like how much fun is it to watch him when he gets on the edge of the box? And it's like, he can go past you, but he also just might stop and lash like the most yeah. hard, like the most fast, like hard struck ball. I've, I feel like I've ever seen in football into the bottom corner. And there's just like, there's just nothing the best, like one of the best goalkeepers of the last decade can do about it. Oh yeah. No, I mean, he is, I mean, that's, I mean, it stinks because he's going to go to Madrid and like, that's going to be <laughs> awful. But I mean, the vibe was weird though. I will say this, like if I'm going to go like, you yeah. know, full like conspiracy yeah. guy here, the vibe was very strange with the fans and him. It just, it felt weird. And they're going to make him a crazy offer. They already have. And in yeah. three months, he's going to be on Real Madrid. All I'm saying is it made me be like, that's a little strange considering you guys want to sign him in three months. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing is, and, you know, I, I love reading into the psychology of Real oh, yeah. Madrid fans because why not? But um, I feel like they already see him as one of their players. Like he's already theirs to abuse. It's like <laughs> They're whistling him, you suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, like, I think... I don't remember where it was. I think I think Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, was somewhere around in the neighborhood. I think of three hundred goals and three hundred games, and they booed him. So, like, there is no one that is too good for them to absolutely just abuse. So, and I think they've almost put the cart before the horse with this one. I think it's they they see it as such a such a um, a formality that he's going to be there. I don't season. blame them because, like, where else is he going to go? I don't, I mean, I, I suppose there's the thing of. There's literally nowhere else. I mean, I guess we're, we're assuming that he has to leave Paris, I suppose. But, um, cause I guess like. Why would he want to stay there? I mean, that's just like, I don't know. I mean, look, there's sometimes like, sometimes the human part of this comes in. I think we've talked about this when it yeah. comes to these types of, um, you know, personnel moves and, you know, whatnot or whatever. Like, if I was him, making like a hundred million a year and living in Paris would sound pretty awesome. Yeah. But he could you know? be like the Real Madrid god for the next decade, though. That's like... I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I he, know. Wins, he wins yeah. the Champions League in Paris and it's like, cool. You were supposed to do this in Real Madrid. Yes, you're still supposed to do it, but it's it's like it's different. It's just like it is at Barcelona. It's like it, there's it's something true. mythical about it. It is no, it, and it just depends if he. This is the same thing we had with LeBron all the time. It's like, does he care about that? And LeBron did, and Mbappe probably does too. Yeah, I mean, presumably he does. I mean, he's yeah, because he's talked about. I mean, you know, he's talked about how Ronaldo was his favorite player, and you know, he was a Real Madrid fan growing up, and you know. All that stuff. So I mean, he probably Anyways. does care. He probably does care about that. 
How sad are you to watch Messi just like have to? uh, uh, (laughs) We're gonna have to watch Messi try to act excited lifting up the Lagoon trophy this year. Are you excited for that image? Because I'm not. That's gonna be depressing. Oh my god! Yeah, it's. uh, (laughs) I mean, I guess it's just like a different medal or something. But you know, it's just. But I swear, I think we. I think you and I talked about this. I think we said like. It, the the league one uh, winners medal. If I'm messy, I'm just giving that to my kids to play with. Like you know, just whatever. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the I was thinking about it recently, and it's very strange because Messi was undeniably, you know, still pretty peak and le- just mind numbingly great last year, and this year it's just sort of like not worked out. I know it's change of scenery, change of role, and change of everything else. But I'm like, did we immediately just kind of hit the threshold of, like, is this the the Michael Jordan on the Wizards period for Messi? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think the thing that makes me sad is, one, I'm going to couch this by saying, like, I don't know. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure I know. Barcelona wouldn't be at the point they are now in terms of player development. Like, yeah if Messi was still there, but if I could pluck Messi right now and put him in this current Barcelona team, it would just be so interesting to watch him play with Pedri and Frankie and have Triora on the outside. Like the type I've, of team man, they have I've, now would be thrilling. I've, I've been living in that fantasy for just, especially since like the whole, the PSG thing is going, you know, ever since it was going South. I mean, I, I don't know all the particulars of it, but part of me is like, Maybe PSG wants to cut some losses and, you know, no way the jersey sales alone. Like there's just, there's no way there's, there's too much money that they're getting from him. But are they really selling that many messy jerseys when like he scored like, you know, a couple of goals and they just got like bounced from the, from the champions league sort of even more heartbreakingly than they usually do. I'll let you live in your fantasy where they think they can sell him. Go ahead. I think there's a way to, I mean, I I don't know if there is. I actually don't know if like mechanically there is, but in my, like in my heart, there absolutely is. There's a scenario where Messi comes back next year and this was all just like a terrible dream. And, um, but meanwhile, the Barcelona team has developed because I think the thing that would, that would have happened, right? (laughs) Yeah. They still would have, they, they would have been a team that still kind of stood around and expected Messi to do something if he hadn't. Yes. Yeah. And like, we talked about this when he first left, like this is going to suck, but it's going to be good for the development of the team. And it has, it's turned out to be that. That being said, it'd be super cool to watch Lionel Messi with all this, (laughs) these young guys. Well, especially too, because I think like the, um, look, obviously, who knows what it looks like, you know, months and years down the line or whatever. The the Chavi thing is working. You know what I mean? Like he's he's in, he's able to communicate with these guys. He's able to impart his ideas and get them because they are also like they're controlling games better. Mm-hmm. Like when they want to actually control the ball and control the game, you actually feel like there's a a certain measure of control and they're not just sort of hanging onto the ball aimlessly. And the thing is, like, Messi and Xavi are from that same hive mind. You know what I mean? So I think it would be easier for him to integrate into this team because they're playing like a version of teams past that he's been on rather oh. than going to PSG and trying to figure out whatever it is they're theoretically trying to do and fit into that. Um, before we go, uh, if you had to pick the favorite in Europe between Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and City, who are you picking? Um, 
That's tough because I feel like we haven't seen Byron play anybody in a minute, but. No, 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 that's the thing. It's funny, like, um, and now granted it was Byron who were absolutely thumping Barca 3-0 on the group stage. And, you know, but I'm like, I don't know. They haven't looked all that impressive, Um, but I'm gonna say City. Like the, the biggest problem is like, just go get to the final and then Pep's gonna do something insane. I don't know. Just, I think I mean, there's, I'm, there's I'm still, you, you still have the it. chance like Chelsea could still, you know, gain some form uh, with whatever's happening with their team right now. Um, Ooh, so I was, I was going to say, I don't know how, like, you know, I actually just wrote something, you know, that we'll talk about, but for, uh, I actually just finished an article this morning, effectively nutshelling the current Abramovich thing, but with a little bit of like retrospective of, you know, kind of what Abramovich is. Yeah. Let's actually get to what you're working on. Cause we got to wrap up here. So tell okay. me, tell me a little so bit. So like I said, this. so this was actually, this has occupied my last, you know, handful of days. And so um, I thought I was done because they hadn't sanctioned him yet. And then yesterday as I was going through and reading my draft, uh, my wife was like, Hey, the Chelsea guy got sanctioned. And I was like, Oh crap. So I have to like, uh, but I don't know what apparently so they can travel to so they can host home games, travel to away games, and they can spend money for reasonable logistics. Like they can pay people pretty much. So people are gonna they still can, play. they can pay wages. Yeah. They basically can get hotels when they're on, you know, and they can get themselves to and from away games. And um they can still collect the the Premier League TV money, but it doesn't go to it doesn't go to Abramovich. It just like now it's in the hands of the the British government, and so like and they're not allowed to sell any more tickets. I guess like whatever tickets have been sold will be honored, but so any game that might have like not been sold out yet or whatever like is just that's it. Um, I feel like it's going to be so, I feel like this whole thing is so weird for the players. You know what I mean? Like on the one hand, I guess it could kind of galvanize them. You know, sort of I don't think us. they care. Why would they care? No, but I mean, just like this whole, like, just this whole, like, like it has to be, I'm, I'm sure they're being asked about it. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. It's, and and they're, I mean, like, what are they going to say? Oh, yeah, the rich Russian owner had some of his money frozen. Okay, I still play football and the check still hits my account. So it's like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know what the sort of the, the actual functional distraction level of this is. Um, so, I mean, Chelsea are going to get through. They're up. To to know on Lil from from the first leg, so I mean they're gonna they're gonna get through this this round. I mean, look, obviously they are good enough to do it. I don't think they will. Um, I think if they were in their early season league form now in the Champions League, I'd I'd really like their chances. But yeah. they've they've scuffled a lot in the league. I mean, they kind of made they they've almost made it interesting for you know between like third and fourth place rather than you know even sniffing a hope of second place you know yeah all right well we appreciate you joining us is that is the abramovich piece published yet no it's actually in i'm guessing it will be later today i'll send you a link as soon as that is there and 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the that's the big thing for now. And then uh, cool. Well, yeah. as usual, I'm gonna link you know uh, some of your previous work. I'm gonna keep the Chavi link in there because that piece was awesome. The players who were oh, compared thanks. to Chavi, some of your previous <laughs> NBA work, all that stuff. So, Emil, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, good sir. Thank you very much, man. I look forward to it.